Father, we just come before you this morning in Jesus' name. We just touch and agree, asking you, Lord, to speak to our hearts that which is just right for this time and for this, this meeting. Lord, we pray for utterance. We thank you for opening the eyes of our hearts and strengthening our spirits this morning. We give you praise for it right now in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I'm going to talk to you about Jehovah Jireh, my source of provision. Amen. Genesis chapter 22 and in verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Now this is a very interesting word. He proved him. He tested him. And the purpose for this test was not so much to really, uh, how could we say, produce faith. But the purpose was to reveal faith and to reveal his obedience. You know, when God tests us, when God tempts us, He doesn't test us or tempt us with evil, does He? No, when He tests us, it's a solicitation to obey. And once we obey, it always results in blessing. On the other hand, when the enemy tests us, it's a solicitation to disobey, resulting in cursing. Now, I want you to notice in verses 2 through 8, it says, Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I will tell you. You see, God is in covenant with Abraham. And what he's asking Abraham to do is to sacrifice his son Isaac, in order that this would allow God the opportunity to later on, down through the process of time and generations, to offer His only Son, Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Notice with me in verse 3. Read with me. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering. And he arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Everyone say place. Place. Verse 5. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Wow, that's faith right there, right? I mean, he's ready to offer his son Isaac and he knew that if it was necessary for God to raise Isaac from the dead he would do it so he said I and the son will worship and we will come back to you again in verse 6 it says so Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and a knife And the two of them went together, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, my father. I think I would be asking the same question that he did. And Abraham answered, he said, Here I am, son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said something extremely profound. For Jesus is the lamb slain from before the foundation of the earth. And Abraham said in verse 8, My son, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. 
Now, this is a phrase that should be coming out of our mouths on a continual basis. And that phrase is this, my God will provide. I mean, you might be coming to the end of the month and you've run out of money and your rent is due. What would the appropriate thing to say? I mean, here's the contract and the date is coming. We need to have the money to finish up this contract and there's no money in the bank. What is the appropriate response? Yes, my God will provide. And it's very important for you to know him as your provider. It's one thing for Kenneth Copeland to know him as his provider. It's another thing for Pastor Hagen to know him as his provider. But I'm telling you, God is no respecter of persons. He is the same provider for you as he is anyone. Amen? He is not a provider. He is my provider. Amen? He is not just a healer. He is my healer. So we need to personalize that on a regular basis. I mean, when the press is on and the pressure is on and the stress is on, what ought to be coming out of our heart and out of our mouths is, my God will provide for he is faithful to meet my need. Amen. Has anybody ever been there? where it looked like you were going down for the 10 count. But between 9 and 10, your provider came on the scene and lifted you up and met your need. That's because He is a faithful God and He is faithful to provide. Now this truth and this principle needs to be in our heart and in our mouths. I think it's important that we develop our confidence in our faith in Him as our provider as much as we develop our confidence in Him as our healer. It's important to do that because we live in a world where it takes provision and it takes resource to live. Is that right? So God is our provider. Now notice with me in verse 9. Then they came to the place, particular attention to that again. Of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, and placed the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham faithfully said, Here I am. Now I want you to read verse 12. And verse 13 with me. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Did he pass the test? Now verse 13. Ready, read. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Wow. Don't you know that God has got rams in the thicket for you? You know, sometimes you wonder where that ram was at 5 o'clock that morning. Had no idea where it was going. 
just kind of felt a nudge to go left. And then it's moving up the mountain and goes right. And it gets up there to Mount Moriah and it gets its horns stuck in the thicket. That was by, not by accident, but that was by divine design. And God's got some great rams in the thicket for you. He's got some divine designs for you. If you will walk with him and trust him and lean on him completely, he will always provide a way where seemingly there seems no way. Amen. Now notice this, the rest of this verse, in verse 14. And Abraham called the name of what? He called the name of the place. The Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Now, the name Jehovah Jireh is only used one time in the Bible. In the Septuagint, the name Jehovah Jireh means the Lord who sees. The Lord who sees. In other words, the word provision. Provision simply means this, an arrangement or a preparation beforehand. Amen. Beforehand. As for the doing of something... Or for the meeting of needs. So we see here that God saw beforehand what Abraham's need was. And he made preparations for that ram to be caught in the thicket just at the right time in the right place. The word pro means before. Vision means seen. So he sees before. He saw before their need. And he sees before what you need. And guess what he does? He sets it in motion. I said he sees before what you need. And I need. And what this church needs. And he sets it in motion. Oh, what a God we serve. Oh, what a great God we serve. You see, we're able to see where we're at at the moment, right? If you don't, we need to pray. And we're able to to look back, are we not, to see where we've been. However, we're not always able to see what lies ahead in the future. But Jehovah Jireh is able to see and prepares what is required ahead of time. And you don't need to know everything that lies ahead. You just need to be a happy camper and walk by faith and not by sight and get on the path that God has got for you. And on his path, there will always be provision. Oh, somebody help a preacher today. I stand in complete amazement how that God saw beforehand in my life all that I needed. And he's provided for me. Every step of the way, every week, every month, every year, God is faithful. I can think about way back in 1975 when I got born again and Rhema graduate came and began to pastor a church in that small town that I got saved in. I was introduced to the word of God and introduced to the word of faith. And through that connection, I was connected to Rhema Bible Training Center and Kenneth E. Hagan. And through that connection, and I would never call uh, Brenda a ram in the thicket, but through that connection, I met Brenda Raylene Thomas. And in July 22nd, we'll have been happily married for 40 years. 
Oh, what a planner. Oh, what a God. Oh, what a wonderful Savior we serve. And as I track back and all the things and all the people that God has connected me with, I look back at a church that we pastored in Minneapolis back in 1980. And I met a young man by the name of Terry Nelson. And Terry Nelson was an evangelist who worked for Billy Graham Ministries. Billy Graham is headquartered in Minneapolis, or used to be anyway. And Terry had all sorts of connections in the Bay Area in California. And he said, now, I know you're in transition, Mark, so why don't you come out in February of 1982 and start uh, to minister in this church and that church? I'll set it up for you. So I came by divine appointment, but I was always in the right place at the right time, connected to the right people. And through that connection, provision was made for me to meet these wonderful people in this church. And now 35 years later, glory to God, we're celebrating the goodness of God. Somebody said, well, that's great for you, Pastor Mark, but God is no respecter of persons. If you'll just look back and you will track and see all that God has done, this place wouldn't be big enough to hold you. There'd be a shout in the house. There'd be a dance in the house. There'd be a run in the house because God has done some great things for you. But I want to tell you today, he's not finished with you yet. He's not finished with you yet. He's got some great things in store for each and every one of us. Everyone say, God's got more. God's got more for me. And God's got more for you. Expect Him to lead you. Expect Him to guide you. Expect Him to be God unto you. And show you the right way and the right path for you to walk in. Amen. I think that's pretty good preaching. As I was studying this the other day, this came to my spirit, a place for you, a place for you. You see, Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. The provision of God for him was connected for Abraham to be in the right place at the right time. And I believe this, that God's got a place for each and every one of us. I want you to look at Psalm 66 and notice with me in verse 12, a great verse of scripture about your place of rich fulfillment or your wealthy place. Notice with me in Psalm 66 and verse 12, I'm going to read it from the King James version. It says this, thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire. Anybody ever been through some fiery tests? But I see you're still here today. We've been through some things. We've been through fire. We've been through water. But you have brought us unto what kind of a place? He has brought us unto a wealthy place. One translation says, he's brought us to a place of plenty. Or he's brought us to a place of rich fulfillment. Still another translation says this, he's brought us to a place... Oh, hallelujah, a broad place, a moist place, a spacious place. So I'm here to tell you, folks, that God's got a wealthy place for you. Amen. He's got a place where you are richly fulfilled. 
When we think of wealth, sometimes people only think in terms of finances, and it does include that, but it's not all that it includes. A wealthy place, being a place of rich fulfillment for your life, includes a wealthy or a prosperous soul. Now, if you study the Word of God, you discover this, that your soul is made up of your mind and your will and your emotions, right? In 3 John 2, he said, Beloved, I wish or I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. In other words, the prosperity of your body and the fulfillment of your finances and relationships is directly connected to the prosperity of your soul. Amen. So then what is a prosperous soul? I believe a prosperous soul is a man or a woman whose mind is free from guilt whose mind is free from confusion, whose mind is free from stress, and whose mind is free from all types of fears. Amen? You see, having a peace that passes all understanding is being richly fulfilled in your soul. Amen? When you can live your life and go down this path that God has foreordained for you. And you can say, thank God I don't have a care because the Prince of Peace lives on the inside of me. I'm worry-free, I'm carefree, and I'm fear-free. You are being richly fulfilled in your soul. So this wealthy place, we want to think outside the box a little bit. It does include material provision, but there's so much more that it does include. When you think about being richly fulfilled in your spirit, you can't get any more rich when you call upon the name of the Lord and you get saved. I mean, there's no assurance like blessed assurance. Oh, there's no greater joy than to know that if you close your eyes tonight and didn't wake up in the morning, you'd wake up in the presence of the Lord. That's being richly fulfilled in your spirit. But not only that, you can be richly fulfilled in your spirit by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be by being baptized in the Holy Ghost. So we see here that God brings us into a wealthy place. People would ask the question, Pastor Mark, does God really have a place like that for me? Does God really have a place where I can be fruitful, where I can make a difference in my life? Look at your neighbor and say, we are, and you are, a difference maker. God's got that place where you fit and where you flourish. God's got a God-ordained, wealthy, fit, flourishing place for you and for me. And that's good news. I want you to look at Acts, the 17th chapter, if you would. And I want us to notice verses 24 through 26. And we're going to look at that in the Amplified Version. Acts, the 17th chapter, and the 24th verse, and the 26th through the 26th verse. Notice this with me. And I'll wait just a moment until they can get it. Again, Acts 17, verses 24 through 26 in the Amplified Version. It says, The God who produced and formed the world and all things in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in handmade shrines. Next verse. 
Neither is he served by human hands as though he lacked anything, for it is he himself who gives life and breath and all things to all people. Now I want you to read verse 26 with me. This is a great verse. And he made from one common origin, one source, one blood, all nations of men to settle on the face of the earth, having definitely determined their allotted periods of times and the fixed boundaries of their habitations, their settlements, their lands and abodes. Now I want you to notice that last phrase again. Having definitely determined their allotted periods of time and the fixed boundaries of their habitation, their settlements, their lands and their abodes. You are not an accident. You did not come into this earth by accident. I don't care what your background might be. God has predestined and God has foreordained your place and your time. Somebody say it with me. This is my time in Jesus' name. So having definitely determined my allotted periods of time and the fixed boundaries of my habitation, my settlements, my lands, plural, and abodes. So we see here that we are not just born at any time. Our times and our places are predetermined. Our times and our places are predetermined. Now in the Hebrew, location literally means a, a spot, but it also means a condition. It means a condition. So what I'm saying to you today is this, that God has a wealthy location for you. A wealth, just like he had a place for Abraham, he's got a place for you. Just like he had provision for Abraham, he has provision for you. So God not only has a wealthy location and place for you, but he also has a wealthy condition for you in your place. I said he also has a wealthy condition for you in your place. There is, in fact, in the word of God, clearly delineated that there's a location and a condition where you and I will excel and prosper like no other. Hallelujah. Believe that. Expect that. It's your wealthy place. It's your location. It's your condition. And they are connected together. Now look over at Ephesians, the second chapter. And notice with me in verse 10. And first of all, we're going to look in the King James. And then we'll look in the Amplified Version. King James Version. Say it with me. He is my provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created where? Created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. Again, which God has what? Which God has before ordained that we should what? That we should think about it. I mean, God's offering this wealthy place. He's offering these wonderful paths. But I'm just going to think about it for a while. i got some other things to do. Maybe when I hit 60 or 70, I'll think about it. Uh-uh. You better do it now. I said, you better do it now. He has 
good works for you to walk in, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Now look at the amplified version of this particular verse. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's own handiwork. In other words, we are his poema, we are his poem, we are his masterpiece. And it's not wise to put down his masterpiece. It's not wise to be down on yourself when he's so up on you. Amen? He loves you. He's for you. He's made you in his image and in his likeness. He's put you in right standing with him. And he's made you more than a conqueror. Let us not demean his workmanship by belittling ourselves. But let us look into the B-I-B-L-E. Find out who we are in Christ. And rejoice of what God has made us to be. Amen. Too many Christians are guilt ridden. Too many Christians are kicking themselves. And they're not picking themselves up. Yes, I believe in repentance. Yes, I believe in confessing our sins. But I don't believe we need to live on a lower level of constantly introspecting ourselves and looking inward. I think we need to look outward and look to the Word of God and find out who we are in Christ. And that won't cost you one dime extra. Say it with me. I am your workmanship. Well, Pastor, how come I don't feel that way? Because he ain't done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. Be confident of this very thing. That the one who's begun a good work in you, he's going to complete it. He's going to perform it. Say it with me, thy will be done in my life. Now notice this. For we are his own handiwork, his workmanship. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works, which what? Which God predestined or planned beforehand for us. So in other words, on the path and in your wealthy place, there are some good works that God wants you to flow in and to function in. You will notice at the end of Genesis 22, after Abraham believed God and after he became the Lord, his provider, God said, because you've done this thing, I'm going to bless you. You'll be a blessing and your seed is going to be so great and the blessings of God are going to flow through you. Amen. Now notice, which God predestined or planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared when which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them living the mediocre life living just kind of a good life no he didn't say the mediocre life but he said living the good life which he prearranged and made ready For us to live. Oh, come on. We serve a good God who gave his life so that we could have a good life. Not a mediocre life, but a good life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's the good life. You know what the good life is? The good life is you finding out why you're here on planet earth. 
And then you saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to walk in those paths that you have prepared beforehand for me. I'm going to walk in those paths and I'm going to trust you all the way that you will supply every need on every step of my path. Amen. How many of you have ever, ever heard the Lord tell you to do something you didn't have the money to do? <laughs> Happens all the time around here. <laughs> do this, do that. Well, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where's the money? God says, son, keep your eye on me. There's a ram over there in the thicket. You may not have Two nickels to rub together. But if you've got a word from heaven and you're sure-footed in the plan of God, you just step out and you step into the plan of God and you watch what God will do in your life. He will abundantly provide for you. Say it with me real, real strong right now. You are, you are my provider. Listen, God's not limited with his resources. There's a scripture in Psalms 24 that says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I heard something recently. Did you know this? That there's enough rich resources in the earth to make every inhabitant of the earth a billionaire? There's no shortages. There's no shortages in the earth. There's every resource that's needed in the earth for you to walk in your path and to fulfill what God's called you to do. But not only that, he's not limited to just what's in the earth. He's not limited to only what's in the earth. He said in Philippians 4.19 that he would supply all your need. What? According to his riches. According to what? According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So you take what's in the earth. You take what's in heaven. How can you lose with the God that is on our side? How can we lose if God be for us? So don't be constricted. Keep your eyes on him. Trust him. I had a question for you today. How's your lean? What are you leaning on? Who are you leaning on? If you're leaning on man, if you're leaning on something else other than him to be your source, guess what? Then those things become your source and your real source is limited in what he can do for you. Some of you will get that about two o'clock this morning. (laughs) Glory to God. There is. A wealthy place. There is a strong place for you. In between service, the Lord gave me a few things I want to close with today. We're not going to have a real long service. This is a good word, but it's not a long word. And I have never, ever had anybody fight me about a good word versus a long word. They'll take the good word over the long word any day of the week. But listen to these scriptures. The Lord gave me some keys to provision in your place. We've established this, that he's Jehovah Jireh, that he's our provider. Amen. The name of that place was Jehovah Jireh. God's got a place for us where we fit a wealthy 
place and a wealthy condition. Amen? But there's some keys here because this is not something that just happens automatically because we go to a seminar or because we listen to a set of CDs or we go to a convention and we get all fired up and we hear all the testimonies of all that God has done. Those things are good and those things are encouragement. But I want to give you some things that will work for you 24 hours a day and seven days a week. And God's provision, I just got to tell you, it is conditional. It is conditional. I can't just go out and do my own thing and expect God to meet the needs of the church. You know, I can't go sleep around with women. I can't go stealing the money from the church and stand up on Sunday morning and say, oh, isn't God good? He supplies all of our need. Preachers don't last very long that way. You can't just do your own thing and go your own way and expect him to be Jehovah Jireh in your life. Now, I know I'm preaching pretty good right now, but I want to just give you some things, food for thought to think about. Turn with me to Job 36, verse 11. Job 36 and verse 11. And I thank God for our people upstairs because most of this stuff isn't what I gave them to do. That happens here at Heart of the Bay. Amen. We're believing God for utterance, right? How many of you are still believing with me? All right. Look at Job in chapter 36 and verse 11. He says, if. Now the word if is conditional, is it not? If they, or we could personalize it and say, if I obey and serve him. What if Abraham had not obeyed? What if Abraham said, I'm not going to go to Mount Moriah. I'm going to go to a different mount. I don't want to do that today. I'll do it tomorrow. Guess what? He would not be known as the father of of many nations today, would he? Now notice, again, if, conditional, if I will obey, if I will obey, and if I will serve him, if I will obey, if I will be a doer of God's word, If I will be a doer of God's leadings in my life. And I will serve him. In other words, I just don't live my life to to be served. But I live my life to serve others. Should I play the organ on that one? Now, here's, here's the truth about it. Most people only want half of this verse. They say, oh yes, amen, glory to God, pastor, I believe it. I will spend my days in prosperity and my years in pleasures. Okay, but do you tithe? No, no, no. Do you serve in the church? Are you kidding me? I'm not looking to serve. I'm looking for servants. That is a provision breaker. If... And this includes Pastor Mark and Pastor Tom. Includes all of us. And this is something that we need to qualify for every day. Because you can be obedient and serve God for years. But if you stop doing what God's told you to do and stop serving Him, you will disqualify yourself for prosperity and years and pleasures. Selah. Selah. 
if, if I'll do this, if I will obey, if I will serve him, then what's going to happen? Come on, somebody. I shall spend my days in prosperity and my years in pleasures. Woo! Glory to God. Prosperity in every area of your life. Now, if that's not enough, go over to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah, the first chapter, the 19th verse. This is good for you to hear. Isaiah, the first chapter and the 19th verse. Glory to God. Here's another condition. If, if, if you be what? Some of you need to get willing to be willing. Because the truth of the matter is, many people in the body of Christ, they're just not willing. And somebody says, well, I don't know what to do about that. Ask God to help you to become willing to be willing. That's the first step. Did you know that's the first step from freedom from drug addiction? It's the first step from uh, freedom from pornography. It's the first step from freedom of anything that holds or anything that binds. A person must be willing to be willing. Willing to be willing. That was the case with me back in 1974 when I would survey the different treatment centers, when I would peruse and think about getting off drugs, I called some friends and I I knew that they had been through some things and that they were now free from it. I called and and I had information about it, but I wasn't willing yet to be willing. But there came a time in October of 1974 where I was more than willing to be willing and God met me there. And God will meet you there. There's nothing wrong with you being honest and saying, I'm not there, Pastor. I'm just not there. Do you want to be there? Are you willing to be willing? Are you willing? In verse 19, he says, if you be willing, and what? Well, Pastor Mark, I shouldn't want to eat the good of the land. Yeah, everybody wants to eat the good of the land, but not everybody's willing and obedient. Say this with me. I choose... To be willing, to be willing. I declare that I am willing and I am obedient and I will eat the good of the land. You see, once God sets you on a path, once God sets you on a path, once he brings you to your wealthy place, you and I must be faithful in that place. I'm looking at Pastor Tom and Pastor Kimberly. They have served faithfully in this church as long as Brenda and I have been senior pastors. God brought them to this place and they didn't just say, well, I've arrived. No, throughout the years, they've gotten more faithful day by day and year by year. And it's the same thing with Pastor Nancy. You see, once God begins to trust you, come on, somebody. Once God begins to show you some things, you must qualify by remaining faithful every day of your life. Look at Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 20. Proverbs, the 28th chapter and the 20th verse. Well, I, I, I desire to abound with blessings, Pastor Mark. Yeah, everybody does. But are you faithful? Are you faithful in your wealthy place? In Proverbs 28 verse 20, it says that a faithful man... 
We could say it like this. If you will be faithful, then you will abound with blessings. No doubt about it. There's blessings in your wealthy place. There's blessings from Jehovah Jireh. But the condition is, let us be faithful. And then in Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 31 through 33. Thank you, Lord, for utterance. Thank you, Lord, for utterance. Man, if some of you could see what God's got for you in your future, it would cause you to shout. I mean, there's some good things in store. There's some good things knocking on the door. Hallelujah. There's some better jobs. There's some bigger jobs. There's some promotions out there. Amen. But once you get promoted and once you get the better job and once you get more money, don't forget God. Once you meet your wife at this church and used to sit on the front row, now you're on the back row and then soon to be on the street, don't forget God. I heard the organ. Boy, he's preaching good. Shundai. Hallelujah. I mean, God gives you a raise of $30,000. A $30,000 raise a year. That's a good raise. But you know that that 30 can turn into 300? If you will be faithful to tithe on the 30. Well, I don't know, Pastor Mocking, before I hardly had anything, now I got 30. I'm having a hard time tithing. Well, let's just pray that God will keep you at the lower level so that you can manage that. No, I don't think so. Be faithful. Be faithful to serve. Be faithful to tithe. Again, Proverbs 28, 20, it says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Amen. Now look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. These are big keys to provision. These are huge keys to him being Jehovah Jireh in your life. Matthew 6, verse 31. It talks about not taking any thought. In other words, thoughts are going to come, doubts are going to come, and fears are going to come, but don't take them. Don't talk, don't think about what are we going to eat, what am I going to drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed. How many of you have ever had struggles with that before? Dear Lord, I've got to feed my kids, I've got to feed my babies. I, I'm looking for a house to live. Here's what Jesus says, don't take the thought. For as sure as you take the thought, the thoughts will overcome you. Now notice in verse 32. Verse 32. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father... Read it with me. Your heavenly Father does what? He knows about it. He knows about it. And... He has already set some things in motion for that need to be met. For your children to be clothed. For your family to be housed. He's already set it in motion. But here's the prerequisite. Verse 33. Verse 33. Here it is. And we could just about put an if in front of but. Let me just read it to you like this. If... I will seek first the kingdom of God. If I will put his things first, if I will put his church first, 
If I will be willing and obedient and serve with all of my heart. If I will seek first. I'm going to shout this from the housetops. You may get tired of hearing it. I've been here 35 years and if I'm here another 20, you're going to hear me say it. If you will seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things. Come on, somebody. Then all these things, all these resources, all these blessings. They'll be added unto you. They'll come upon you and they will overtake you if you will just get on the path and stay on the path and rejoice in the Lord your God. Whoo! Somebody says, Pastor Mark, I'm confused. There's nothing wrong with being confused. The thing that's wrong about being confused is staying confused. I'm sure there are people here this morning that are wondering, man, this is great, this is awesome, but I have no idea where my path is. I have no idea where my place is. How, how can I find that out? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Are you getting anything today? This good, this good word, it'll stick to your ribs. It'll take you through the midnight hour. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Praise the Lord, I'm getting hungry. I've been working hard today. Thank you, Jesus. Instead of getting a double-double, I might get a three-by. Well, that's abundant. That's provision. Anyway, somebody needed to laugh. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. hallelujah. Now notice in chapter 2, verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered in to the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Now, if you stop right there, you'll stay confused. But notice with me in verse 10, read it with me. But God, but God, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things. Yes, he searches the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Somebody says, well, I'm confused still. But now to verse 12. Are you ready to shout? Verse 12, read it with me. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Read that last part again. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. One more time. That I might know the things that are freely given to me of God. When you know those things, you're no longer in the dark. But you'll have to spend some time communing with the Holy Spirit and waiting on God to discover your wealthy place.
Say it with me. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. Well, I hope you got something out of the message today. Amen. I hope you got something good, something that will encourage you. Stick with your ribs.